Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Shamai, hello and welcome to In the Spotlight, a podcast from the lifestyle team at Wales Online where we sit down with some of the biggest and best names in showbiz. We'll be finding out where our guests got their big break and also some of the struggles they faced along the way. I'm your host, Sam Cook, and this week's special guest is Sean Aleri. Hello, Sean Aleri. Hi, Sam Cook. <laughs> how are you doing? I'm all the better now chatting to you. How are you? Well, do you know what? I wish every interviewee had that attitude. <laughs> Well, you know, it's a Monday. It's a fresh start to a week. It is. It is. And I was actually working the weekend as well. Yeah, we roll on through. How was Sunday brunch? Oh, my God. It was amazing. It's the type of show that I've always wanted to be on. I think cookery shows in general are so great. And I've watched Sunday brunch for years. So to actually get to be on it and trial out the food, uh, it is as good as it looks. It is warm the food uh, and the people are absolutely delightful so yeah it was a lot of fun although I was stuffed afterwards. Being a fan of the show would you be totally gutted if it wasn't what you, what it lived up to? <laughs> yeah I think so it's almost like um it's like a never meet heroes type of situation isn't it but I think um it was such a fun time and even I like, get to meet the other members of the panel was really nice so like Rose Matafeo was amazing Lou Sanders was lovely um John Patridge as well what a character so no I think it was so I don't know like a kind of bucket list thing for me to get to go on Sunday brunch I bet you before this interview didn't think we'd be chatting about Sunday brunch. No, I know, I know. And it kind of, um, it's kind of come out of nowhere a little bit. So it's it's really exciting that I uh, got to dabble in daytime TV as well as, of course, uh, the documentary, Paranormal. How are you finding that uh, in comparison to what you usually do in, with the, the radio? Oh, do you know what? It's really different. But even like comparing Paranormal to Sunday Brunch, they're just complete polar opposites in the way that they're filmed. You know, even the Sunday Brunch yesterday, it takes a village to put that type of show on. You know, the amount of staff that are there to make sure it's like a perfect, seamless show is admirable. You know, everyone's there for the right reasons and is there working so hard. Whereas the documentary making was more similar to... Uh, radio in terms of it's a skeleton team you know it doesn't take loads of people to throw something together but the difference between radio and telly is massive you know at least the radio show you're prepping all week for essentially two hours 
of a radio program that you've curated to death. And uh, once it's done, it's done. You know, whatever goes out on air in that moment, uh, live, there's no taking it back, you know, and you can always leave uh, the radio studio feeling like, oh, I've accomplished a lot today. You know, we've achieved it. We've reached the end. Whereas documentary making is such a different beast. You're filming for months and months on end. You having, yeah, having like sit down interviews with some fascinating characters for maybe like an hour sometimes and it's cut down to a couple of minutes. Uh, so it's a really different skill. And uh, it just it's given me even more respect to documentary making than I had before, which is quite hard to believe, really, because I had so much beforehand. But yeah, it's it's a really, really different beast. So I'm so excited for people to see all the hard work that's been put into it from every single member of the paranormal team. Is that what appealed to you about the project is doing something that was totally different to the nine to five? Yeah, and I've always wanted to dabble into documentary making anyway. I've been a huge fan of people, um, like I have household names, I suppose, like uh, Louis Theroux and David Attenborough's over the years, Stacey Dooley, of course. To have the opportunity to flex that muscle for the first time as a presenter has been challenging because I don't know how to act on camera. You know, it's so different from what I'm used to. I'm very comfortable in front of a microphone, but a camera is... <laughs> Very, very different, but I've, I was lucky that I was really supported by the people around me, you know, and I trusted the documentary um, uh, director, Rory, was wonderful. He was the camera op as well. We had Hugo, who was behind the scenes, pulling all the interviews together and making sure that everyone was happy at every stage. And um, I'm just name dropping here now, but genuinely every member of that team made sure that we could produce the best possible thing. and. I love the outcome of the show. I've had a look at it already a couple of months ago. I had a little preview watch and it's it's so polished. It's a great show, if I may say so myself. It's odd seeing myself on camera, but I love it. It's such a captivating story. Did it scare you as much to watch again as it did during the the filming of the show? Yeah, it did. Even though I knew what was going to happen. <laughs> it was it was really um I, I I was on a knife's edge as well, you know, watching it as if you were thinking, oh, God, what happens next? <laughs> um, so I I loved watching it as well. And I have to say the team made me look extremely brave because whether it was me putting on a brave face in the moment, trying to stay professional and trying to stay calm and not give too much of myself away, trying to make sure that the it's the family of the contributors that are at the heart of this um, programme. But I definitely seem braver than I felt a lot of the time <laughs> while making this program, especially scenes like um, when I was present for a Ouija board. That's mad. When somebody gets in touch with you about, about signing up for a show and they say, oh yeah, you've got to use a Ouija board, most people would run away. So how come you didn't? <laughs> well, at the beginning I did. <laughs> I think at the start, I think, oh, no, nah, you, you, you won't talk me into a Ouija board. That's not going to happen. And um, it got to a point where the paranormal uh, team, you know, the, the specialists uh, in paranormal activity, the, the group that we had doing the Ouija boards, they were so lovely and they were so trusting and reassuring that nothing like you'd see in the Hollywood films is going to happen. You know, you're not going to have... Um, 
paintings fall off the walls or the ground shake beneath you or somebody starts speaking in tongues. You know, they said it's almost quite, um, I'm not, I can't remember if the, if the word they used was relaxing, but it was more, it's quite comforting to know that there, are, there were people that were here before you and they just want to reach out and talk. And for the most part, they're not menacing um, figures, I suppose, is how they describe the paranormal. So the fact that they were so lovely and so kind really put me at ease. But my uh, my catch was I'm not gonna I'm not gonna touch the bod. I'm too scared to touch the bod. So I'll I'll be present and I'll witness what's going on, but I won't participate actively. Uh, and I and I was comfortable with that. But it's yeah, it's never something I ever thought I would do unless it was for this show. Mm-hmm. Was there any part of you that was slightly wary of accepting a job that sends you into the most haunted house in Wales? <laughs> yes. And there were so many times where I thought, what are you doing? You're an idiot. <laughs> but I think the, it was nice in a way for me to challenge myself, both professionally and personally too, you know, and push the boundaries of what I understand about how the world works and to push myself out of my comfort zone in so many different ways. I'm really proud of myself almost for facing those fears and trying to, I, I don't know, I, I think I'm just, yeah, I'm just proud of myself for being able to come back and what, six, ten months later now talking to you, Sam, and saying, yeah, I survived it and I've come out the other side okay and uh, yeah, no harm done, hopefully. Your understanding and belief in ghosts, what was that like before the show? Did you did you believe in ghosts? Uh, had, had you ever seen a ghost? I mean, it's kind of, it's not something I really thought I'd be asking in an interview, but hey, it, we're here. Yeah. Do you know what's amazing is that because of filming this programme and the more I've been able to talk about it, the amount of people that I've spoken to, very unlikely people actually that have said, do you know what, I had the weird experience one time and then they open up about a ghost story or something that they can't explain. And it's like showing a whole other side to someone's conscience almost. It's been it's been so fascinating hearing other people's stories. But in terms of my own perspective, before starting this programme, I was certainly an open-minded sceptic. I think that's the best way of putting it, where very much sitting on the fence, not wanting to, I suppose, put my stake in the ground for one side or another, but I definitely wanted to be more rational and logical and think, oh, there must be a reason why this can be explained away by science, I suppose, almost as a reassurance that uh, there is sense and logic and maths in the world, you know, and everything can be explained uh, in a very black and white terms. But I think there's definitely a grey area that I hadn't opened my eyes to before and having spoken to a lot of the contributors in the program they've had instances in their lives where they're extremely logical and down the line people and they say look I've had something really weird happen to me and I wish I could explain it but I just can't even Dr Daniels is enlisted into the program as a psychologist that the family bring on board because they want a logical answer to what's going on in the house you know they they don't want to think that there are ghosts and spirits amongst them. Um, so they're yeah, trying to find real evidence that they're not going mad or that the house is not sinister. In terms of my own experience... 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When I first moved to London, I, uh, I came to London alone. You know, I'd never lived in London before. And I'd moved into a house with like a spare room. And it was quite an old Victorian house, just like a terrace. And maybe it was because I felt uneasy in a new place. And I was trying to find my feet and find friends in a community and um, try, trying to settle into doing a master's in university. but. I remember within the first week, I felt as if there was something on like the top landing where the bathroom was, because the bathroom was on a tip top floor. And it just felt like there was someone or something there. I never saw anything. I never felt anything. But it was more like I needed to show some level of respect to this house that I hadn't experienced with any other house. And so every night, um, when I was turning the landing light off before going to bed, I would turn up to look at the top landing and I'd say no star. I wouldn't say good night. I'd say no star and turn the light off and then go to bed. And to me, it felt almost like the right thing to do as if I was a lodger in someone else's house and I should value the fact that they're letting me stay there. And I know it makes me sound mad and I, I hate recounting because it is bonkers. Why am I saying good night to an empty hallway, essentially, <laughs> before going to bed? But to me, it just felt like it, it made sense at the time. And I always felt that way when I lived there. And I was there for three years. Um, but yeah, I never saw anything. I never felt anything. I never felt any menacing or nasty, I don't know, feelings. But it was more like I was living in someone else's house. And I think that's the only time where I felt, ooh, Maybe mm, it's a bit weird, you know, before filming this program. Yeah. Can you imagine if the ghost had turned back and gone, do we them gweebod come right? <laughs> oh, God. It'd be horrible, wouldn't it? Can you imagine that? Especially in London. What prompted you to say Nostar when you were in a house in London? I, honestly, I don't know. I don't know if it just felt like, I, I, correct me if I'm wrong here, Sam, yeah, but I feel. Like animals can speak Welsh as well. I know I'm sounding bonkers here, but I feel like they just get it. But it's almost like when I, I don't know, if I'm like interacting with someone's pet, I feel like I can be more affectionate to the pet if I'm speaking to it in Welsh. But I don't know what it is. Maybe it's a a kin type of thing. Um, but yeah, for whatever reason, I just felt like Nostar was the most sincere way of talking to if there was something there, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, and Sean, kind of, now you tackle ghosts, what what else scares you that you'd like to make a documentary about? God, that's a great question. I've never been asked that before. What else scares me? 
I mean, I don't want to make a documentary about it, but moths scare me a lot. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> but no, no, they're relentless moths. Yeah. Oh, they're so chaotic. But they're horrible. Yeah. <laughs> they need to chill out. So no, I'm not a big fan of moths, but I definitely don't want to make a documentary about them. I, I, I genuinely think I would be too scared to be in like a butterfly house, but full of moths instead. Oh, horrible. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Now you've now you've done the the documentary. Would you would you like to do more of this? One hundred percent. I've loved doing this. I really really enjoyed it. I see how some people kind of catch the bug almost about making documentaries. Knowing what you know now, what advice would you give your younger self in life or in making the documentary? Oh, let's go for for both. Kind of just just a bit of advice. I suppose in life. I think it comes with maturity, but being sure of your own feelings and voicing them. I think I've always been a major people pleaser, Sam, to the point where it's been detrimental for myself. And so I think having that assurance that you know what you're talking about, you understand how you feel and voicing and communicating that, I think is something so important, both personally and professionally, you know, and um, having the confidence to back yourself and it's so true especially in this industry that can feel so cutthroat at times it took me so long to break in you know it took a lot of failures to even get to this point and I almost gave up I suppose I gave up on myself and it took a lot of people to believe in me more than I believed in myself in my personal life to get to this stage and so I wish I could tell let's say 20 year old Shan to just keep going and to always voice what you want to be mindful of everyone around you and to make sure that um i suppose that you yeah you, you stand your ground and you're you're um you're independent and you've got your own feelings and you can um you can smash it and still keep people happy and don't worry so much about upsetting other people you hear that so much um people who want to get into this industry about how they almost gave up and, and you know they, they were kind of halfway there and they thought I'm not able to do this um anymore um would you say that this documentary that you've done is one of the proudest things you've done in your career it is by far one of the proudest moments of my life to be honest I think getting to do this documentary with none other than BBC3 which is a channel I watched religiously growing up anyway it feels like such a full circle moment, you know, being able to integrate my love for music in my nine to five with Radio One uh, and dabble into other areas that I can just explore freely. And having people trust me to explore that, I think, is such an honor. And I know that if I ever have kids, Sam, and I'll make them watch this program back, I'll like to imagine that I'll feel really proud <laughs> being able to say, yeah, that's that's your mum or that's your grandma you know that's your nine doing that um <laughs> so yeah for me it's such a huge career milestone to be able to participate in this type of project and hopefully it's the first of many to come what do you want somebody to take away from the new show i think the nature of the program is that you're following the journey with me and there are so many instances in the show where just when you think you've cracked it, there's another piece of evidence that is unearthed that throws that 
evidence against the wall, you know. So it's almost that like push and pull of are they real? Aren't they real? What's genuine? What's not genuine? What's how does the world work? <laughs> um, so I almost not to have necessarily an existential crisis, but there were definitely moments of both frustration and relief throughout all of this process uh, when it comes to the story and what exactly was happening in Penafort Farm. And I love the idea that we can just embrace being confused and wanting to dig out answers. And maybe I would love if certain viewers who are really engrossed in this programme to try and hunt more evidence for themselves, you know, see if they can help me out and figure out what was happening in Trazin. Well, uh, Sean, I cannot wait to watch the new show. It sounds fantastic, if a little scary. Um, from all of us at Wales Online, Diolch and Vau. Oh, Sam. Thank you for listening. Don't forget, you can keep up to date with all the latest TV and showbiz news by subscribing to our newsletter over at walesonline.co.uk. Mm-hmm.